Welcome here to JRoot Radio. We are on live on jrootradio.com. And this is a Halakha Hour on Wednesday afternoon live at 2 to 3 p.m. And then Bazat Hashem, this show will be on again tonight at 11 to 12 p.m. The Halakha Hour, just a little background, we here on the Halakha Hour, we talk about Halakhot. Usually we learn from the book, The Benish High, and we work off the Benish High. However, in the last couple of weeks, let's say two months actually, from a little bit before Purim, until now, we've been talking about the Halakhot of the holidays. First, we started with the Halakhot of Purim, then we went on to the Halakhot of Chodesh Nisan, then the month, and then afterwards, we went on to the Halakhot of Pesach, and today, also, we will not continue in the Benish High just yet. We still have a few halachot of after Pesach, of what to do after Pesach, and that's what we'll be doing today, Bajat Hashem. All the things that one needs to know for the days after Pesach, immediate days after Pesach. And hopefully, once we get covered with that, we'll go on to the halachot of Sfirat Omer, the Minhagim of Sfirat Omer, as well as the Cantic Sfirat Omer. From then, we'll go back to our regular schedule of the Halakhot of Benish Hai. Today's class is dedicated anonymously. Le'aluin Nishmat, the Hayeled Rafael Elisha Meir Ben Devorah. Also, it is dedicated for Zera Shel Kayama to a very special couple whose names, uh, they don't want me to say their names on the on the radio. And this uh, this class is dedicated for them. Razat Hashem, they should be zochet to have Zera Shel Kayama children very, very soon within the year. Razat Hashem. The way to listen to us now is on jrootradio.com or on the jroot radio pro app you could also watch the archives afterwards either the video or by audio or you could call in you can listen on the phone at 718-506-9099 and you'll have to press one twice when you get on the phone and this way you'll hear the radio live we're not on 97.5 so far there are some technical difficulties whether you heard or you did not but basically we're not on the radio and through on the radio we had access to thousands literally Tens of thousands of Jews, and you could only see what happened when we went off the radio, and everybody, you know, seeing the effect that we, that the fact that we don't have the station that we could access so many Jews, I and mean, like Rav Nissim said on the radio already, uh, said off the radio or on the radio, that this is the number one station of Jewish radio in the world. There's no politics here; it's all either classes or some Jewish entertainments. So therefore, we've decided that we're going to make a petition. We're going to make a petition, hopefully, to put the radio back on, that we should be able to exit on 97.5. And just like we had before for the petition for that child, and Baruch Hashem, so many people signed up, and it had an effect that Baruch Hashem, they were able to give him the medicine. Okay, Hashem turns the circumstances in his own ways. But in any case, many people, thousands of people signed up. We figured if we have also thousands of people Signing this petition, Bazat Hashem will be back on. What is this petition, Abotai? This petition is called the Shmona Asrei, the Amida. Let me tell you, Hazal tell us that there was a time when there were Malshinim, when there were people who would snitch on other Jews. And the Jewish people had a very difficult time, especially the Rabbanim, in being able to teach the, the Kahal and running the Kahal because he had these Mosrim, he had these people who would inform the non-Jews of the doings of the Jewish people. So they decided to add a beracha. They decided to instill a beracha na'amidah. The beracha is that we say every single day, How come they instituted that beracha na'amidah? One day make a yom tefillah. And as they felt that if every Jew would pray every single day, three times a day, 
And Peta Kadosh Baruch Hu, at least this weakens their power. So we come and we say the same thing. If we want this radio station that we should have all the Torah that every Jew living in the Brooklyn area or in the New York area to be able to have access to non-stop Torah and it's really non-stop Torah, non-stop help. There's so many classes over here that besides the Torah also, you have so many classes that or, or, or programs that are dedicated for Refuat nefesh as well as Refuat Guf, and of course the Talmud Torah. So therefore, we ask of everybody to pray. All we could do, we could only pray to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and whatever Hashem decides to do afterwards, but we have to do our part. Our part is that we should... Mention right before we finish the tefillah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that we should have the radio back on. And don't think that it's little. Don't think, oh, I'm going to pray for this. There's, there's so many th- problems in the world that Maharal points out that every, even the smallest dita HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants you to tell him. Even the smallest dita that shows our connection. We don't only pray to Hashem when big things are there. Hashem wants us to pray to Him, to call out to Him. If you're driving and you don't have a parking spot and it's Erev Shabbat in Borough Park or in Avenue J and you, <laughs> good luck finding a parking spot, right? But that's when you're supposed to pray to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. According to the Ramban, Nachmanides, it is a mitzvah deoraita. Anytime a person is in need, and he says the tefillah, he's mekayim mitzvah deoraita. If you're looking for a parking spot, and you can't find one, and you turn to Hashem, you say, Hashem, please find me a parking spot, you're fulfilling a mitzvah min Torah. It's the same thing over here. If you want the station back on, if you wanted to have access on the radio, so turn to Hashem and pray, say, Hashem, please have the station back on the radio. And Bezat Hashem, Hashem will answer our tefillot. And this way, it's Mihail el We go from one mitzvah to another mitzvah. We pray that the radio come ba- comes back on. And the zikhut of the rabim will be multiplied by thousands again. And everybody will be learning together on the radio, listening to Torah classes, listening to programs that enhance our Judaism, that makes us closer as a people together, and it makes us closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is really what these days we're in. Uh, right now are all about we're in the days of Sfirat Ha'omer we're going to go through Al-Khod very soon and we're in these days where Hazal tell us on a certain level amongst the greatest of the Jewish people on the certain level on their level of course we're not to understand these were great giants these were Tanaim Kedoshim but on their level there was a little bit of a problem of separation between each other they didn't give each other the proper respect there's some sort of form of lack of unity so therefore in these days these are the dimes. We want to be mezakeh. We want to increase Torah by all coming together for the same goal, which is Shabbat, Shabbat, Bilebahad, We all stood by Har Sinai for the same goal of receiving the Torah. And Be'azat Hashem, hopefully now we'll be able to spread the Torah to everybody as well. The halachot that we need to know right now for Pesach, we will begin. First of all, hey, you know, it's a day after Pesach. Today is Isru Hag, and you survive Pesach. If you're the ladies listening to the class, you've survived, you get a special uh, baseball hat or, or a t-shirt, you survived Pesach, maybe we should send you a certificate, I survived Pesach 2014, in any case, but the Halakhot of Pesach have not completed yet, we still have some Halakhot of Pesach that, are, that will carry over to the days after Pesach and that are very, very important that we need to know. Before we go on to the Halakhot, I would like to ask if you have a question, and you would like to either call or text in, 
Phone calls we take at after three o'clock when we're off the air. So this way we could answer all the phone calls properly. But if you have any questions through a text, please text it in. Also, I'm very interested to know because I use this for learning purposes for next year. Any interesting questions that came up over Pesach, even if you got a Pesach Halakha, not interested in, even if you're not interested in knowing what my opinion, our opinion is in the Halakha, regarding Halakha, but I would like to know scenarios that come up on Pesach, if you could please text in one, uh, some most common or complicated questions that came over Pesach, we would love to hear them, and if you'd like them to be answered, mention please answer those questions. Okay, let's get to some Halakha that we need to know regarding Pesach. First, category of halakhot that we need to know for after Pesach is regarding the deen that's brought down in Shulchan Aruch in Siman Tafim Here I will be reading from Maran in Saif Gimel. Maran writes, and this is a halakha, it's a deen min ha-gimara, from the Gemara. The Gemara says, and it's brought down in Shulchan Aruch, Hametz shel Yisrael sha'abara ala Pesach. If you have Hametz belonging to the Jew, meaning it's under the ownership of a Jew, it doesn't have to be necessarily in the Zaz, it can even be in somewhere else, but it's under the ownership of a Jew, which went through the holiday of Pesach under the ownership of the Jew. That means in the holiday of Pesach, it was considered the ownership, it was considered owned by a Jew, says the halakha, and no argument on this, not Ashkenazim, not Sfaradim, there's no exceptions over here. Asur bahana'a, it is forbidden in any benefit. Not only that, afilu hinehoshogeg or anus. Even if the hametz was left by accident, what is in Beshogeg? It means the person didn't realize he had the hametz. He, did, he didn't realize that this was a hametz, or he didn't realize that it was forbidden to keep hametz in his house without selling it to a goy or without getting rid of it. He didn't realize it. Or even Anus, even if he realized it, but he couldn't get to it. He got stuck in traffic. He was jailed. You know, something happened. He, had, he was sick in the hospital. He completely didn't think about his hametz that he had. The halakha says it is forbidden to have any benefit from that hametz after Pesach. Not only could you not eat it, you may not even have benefit from it. You cannot sell it. You cannot give it to your animal. You cannot give it as a present, even to a goy. It's forbidden to have any sort of benefit from this hametz. That is the halakha. Not only that, Maran writes later on, If you have hametz in your house, even if you declared it ownerless, we all said betul, which means, Right, we all declared that on Arif Pesach, we all declared that the night of Bidikat hametz. We said, we don't want this hametz. But if you said that, and you kept the hametz in your house, it's still forbidden behana'a. Maybe you saved yourself from other Sunim, but bottom line, if you have that Hamid, it's in your ownership, it's in your house, and you didn't get rid of it, or you didn't sell it, that Hamid's forbidden behana'a. Why am I saying this? Well, first of all, let me tell you a story that happened. I get a phone call on Eid of Pesach from a young man who's living with his parents, and he has a question. He says, Rabbi, I need to sell my Hamid's. And this was maybe about an hour before, not an hour, it was less than an hour. It was within an hour that you can't eat hametz anymore. So I said, I'm sorry, I already gave in the contracts already to the uh, other rabbis who were selling it. I already, I cannot sell it. Go find, go try this and this rabbi. After trying, I guess, for he called a few rabbis. He calls me back. Now, two hours later. This is, it was exactly five minutes before the Isur of owning hametz in your house. That means you had another five minutes to get rid of your hametz 
either to sell it or to give it away to a goy. He goes, Rabbi, what do I do? I have all those hamids and I did not sell it. So I said, you, you, you got to sell it right now or give it to a goy. I'm sorry, I can't help you. So I don't know what to tell you otherwise. So he calls me up and he tells me, this is a story. I usually sell the hamids for my parents every single year. And this year I completely forgot about it and just remembered this morning. And this is Arif Pesach already. So, okay, you got a few minutes. He's like, okay, I know. So, uh, so what, what can I do? I said, there's nothing to do. You have to get rid of the hamids. You're not allowed to have hamids in your house. It's an isur of balirayu, balimatzit. It's an isur love. Although it's not hayab karit. But still, it's an isur love. It's an isur lotase. You cannot have hamids in your house. You got to get rid of it. So he tells me, I, I want to get rid of it. But it's not my hamids. It's my parents' hamids. And they don't, wanna, they don't care. They're not religious. They don't care. They, they're keeping the hamids. I said, hold on. Let's see, what's, is it really hamids? It's not hamids. You know, before you, we jump the gun, you know, a lot of times people think everything is hamids. So I said, what do you have in the house? He tells me, okay, we got some meats. Well, meat is not hamids. Just because it's not kashila pesa doesn't mean it's hamids. Vegetables, vegetables are also not hamids. So then he tells me, no, no, but we got some pizza, some pizza dough. We got also some borekas. We got some this and that. Names a whole list which is a hundred percent pure hamitz. The oraita, there's nothing to talk about. So I said, okay, that has to be. You have to explain to your parents that it's forbidden to keep it by your house. Calls me back a few minutes later, half an hour later. They don't want to hear it. They don't care. They don't want to get rid of the hamitz. What do I do? I'm getting very nervous. I, you know, it's a sur. I know it's a big sur, but I can't. I can't convince my parents otherwise. So after hold back and forth, what could you do? I told them, listen, at the end of the day, it's their hamits, it's not your hamits. You're only living by your parents. It's not your hamits. But what you have to do is take a good look at the hamits that you have in your house, whether it's in your freezer or in your closet, and just make sure that you do not eat from the hamits or benefit from it after the holiday. They're not going to eat on the holiday. These, his parents know better that to eat hamits on, on Pesach, Baruch Hashem. But they don't want to get rid of their hamits. They feel they don't want to get over the two, three hundred dollars. They don't want to get rid of it. They're keeping it there. They're not using it. So they don't understand the importance of getting rid of Hamid. They don't understand this halakha. So what could you do? The only thing you could do is you yourself who do understand the halakha, you are not allowed to have any benefit from that Hamid. Keep in mind which of the stuff is right now in your house before Pesach. After Pesach, make sure you don't eat from that stuff. If there's no dinner, come, I'll give you dinner or I'll pay for your dinner or you go out and you eat something from, from a restaurant. Do not eat from that hamitz. That is the halakha. Now, that's a very far out story. It's a unique story. I never got such a question in my life like this. Is it possible? It's possible. First of all, if you know people who are like that, you got to be careful when to eat by the house. You have to wait a few times. But really, the bigger problem is really in the supermarkets. Because there are a lot of Jews out there. At least these parents knew what Pesach is all about. There are a lot of Jews that don't know what Pesach is all about. But doesn't take them out of the category of being Jewish. Although they might be Mehalel Shabbat, Befar Hesia. They do not keep any of the mitzvot. They don't put on tefillin. They might even be married to a Goya. Perhaps they're intermarried as well. But as long as they're Jewish and they're the owners of a store that sells hamets, so therefore the hamets that they had is forbidden after Pesach unless they sold it. Now, if you have any suspicion of any store that is owned by a Jew who does not sell his hamets, so then you have to know what to do. What are we to do? So the answer is as follows. If it's a supermarket, and it goes like, let me just... Pull it up, okay? I'm reading to you from the Star K. If it's a supermarket, and it's one of the bigger supermarkets where things move, so according to the Star K, they hold, they say in their pamphlet, 
that a person should wait two weeks after Pesach from buying from that specific supermarket. So let's say, you know, I'm, I'm completely making up a name right here. You know, let's say it's, uh, I don't want to make a name. I don't want people to think that, you know, maybe it's some store out there. I, I'm not even going to make up a name. But let's say it's, you have a supermarket in your neighborhood. You know that's owned by a Jew. And you know that the Jew did not sell his hametz. You want to buy from that supermarket anything that's hametz. You can buy anything. But hametz products, such as breads or whatever it is, other things that, you know, that are for sure hametz that you had, you have to wait at least two weeks. So this way, you know, that it moved, that, that this way, the, the old hametz already came out. What if maybe there's still some leftover? In bigger supermarkets, you don't have to worry about it. If there was, it's probably Batebarob. Two weeks, you're safe after Pesach to wait. There's another issue also regarding hametz Abad of Pesach, and that is distributors. A lot of distributors, meaning there's a lot of stores that will buy hametz not directly from the company. They're not buying directly from Kellogg's. They're not buy, the, buying directly from the big names, Coca-Cola and all these people. <clears throat> They're buying it from distributors. These are individuals who go to the big companies and they buy a certain amount. And then for a little bit of more price, they come and they sell to the smaller stores. So these distributors, a lot of them are Jewish. And unfortunately, some of them do not sell the hametz and they own it throughout Pesach. So that's hametz, Abar Lava Pesach also. It's in his warehouse. He has access. It's his. So in that case... If there are supermarkets are buying from distributors that are Jewish, that means even if the supermarket is owned by a goy, it's owned by a non-Jew, but they're buying from distributors that are not that, that are Jewish, but they do not sell their hametz. Over there, a person should wait at least a month, four weeks after Pesach, around May twenty-first, until he could buy, he could safely buy the hametz from that store. Now. This is only regarding supermarkets. If it's liquors, liquors don't move that much. By the way, we're talking about big liquor stores. And big liquor stores that move merchandise. You know, whiskey is pure hametz. There's even vodka could be hametz. There's a lot of things that could be 100% hametz. So therefore, when it comes to liquors, one should wait a little bit more. Wait till after Shavuot from buying liquors from stores that are either owned by Jews that do not sell the hametz, or even if they're owned by Goyim, but they are... They, they purchase from distributors that are Jewish who do not sell the hametz. This is what you have to know regarding these big supermarkets. Otherwise, you have your local shops over here in Brooklyn or in Muncie or in Lakewood, where you have these regular small stores that are not big chains, they're not big supermarkets. And if most of them probably have a hikshir, most of them are probably owned by Ehrlich Yidin, good Jews. And even though they, some simple Jews, still most of them pretty much sell their hametz. If you're not sure, if the store has a hechsher, most probably they sold the hametz. But if you're not confident in restaurants or other places, you don't trust it so much. So go to the Rav Machshir, call them up. Every store that has a hechsher must provide you with the number of the Rav Machshir. Call them up and find out, excuse me, is your uh, is this place that's under your hashgaha, did you sell their hametz or not, and you'll find out from them exactly. Sometimes, although a place may have a hechsher, they may only have a hechsher on a specific part of the store. They don't have a hechsher on anything else. Some places have a hechsher only on the meat. And the Rav is only takes care of the meat. He has nothing to do with the rest of the store. So you have to find out if the hechsher is on the store or on the Rav Maksher. But that's, again, if you suspect that the person did not sell his hametz, if there's any reason to suspect him. But if you know the guy's a good guy, and you could trust him when you ask him directly. If he tells you, I saw my hametz, you could go ahead and trust him. If you don't trust him, then you'll have to do a little bit more research. Now, there is the big chain stores, the big stores 
that people buy from. And there's always questions, can we buy from them? Well, how long do we have to wait? So the Star K also came up with a list of big national stores. These are stores throughout the country. Very big and everybody buys from them, either online or directly. And they said that from this list, guaranteed you can buy from them. Either they're owned by non-Jews or <coughs> even they're owned by Jews, they sold it according to Halakha. Now, I want to point out, this list is not limited to the names. I'm about to tell you the list of me, but it's not lim- limited to these names only. You could have many other stores. This is just a small list that the Starke uh, came up with. There could be many other stores, but some of them are the most famous ones. Here we go. Let's go through a list very quickly. These are the stores that you can buy from them. Hametz, right after Pesach. You have no problem worrying about Hametz, Shabbat, Allah, Pesach. What are they? BJ's. Costco, Kmart, Petco, Rite Aid, Sam's Discount Warehouse, Save-A-Lot, Walmart, Wegmans, Winn-Dixie, Walgreens, Trader Joe's, Shoppers Food Warehouse, Royal Farms, PetSmart, Mars Food Line, and CVS. Again, it's not limited to this list. This is just the research of the Sarkay. It could include many other stores, but for these stores, for sure, you don't have to worry about it. You can buy from them without a problem. Okay, the good news from all of this, I'll tell you one thing, is that you don't have to worry about Kemah Yashan. I'm not going to go into the Halakhot of Kemah Yashan because the time doesn't allow us. But regarding the, the deen of Kemah Yashan, right now, whatever is available in the market has no issues of Kemah Yashan. Everything is considered Kemah Yashan from now until at least July Everything is Behizkat Kemah Yashan and you don't have to even ask about it. Everything is fine to eat as far as flour. Let's go to the next halachot. The next category of halachot that happened through after the holiday of Pesach is that if you noticed, if you were in shul, and even if you were not in shul, hopefully you got news of it by now, that we made a change in our tefillah. We made one change in the tefillot on, on the holiday of, of Yom Tov. And then once we got to Holomayed, we made a second change. What is that change? We switch from the winter Amida to the summer Amida. We have basically one small difference between the Amida and that we say in the summer than to the one that we say in the winter. In the summer, which began on the first day of Pesach, we switch from Meshi Baruch HaMurida Geshem and we start saying Muridatal. That's in the second blessing of the Amida. Over there, we mention, this is called a Hazkara. We mention over there that God brings rain and God brings dew. Ashkenazim don't mention Muridatal. Ashkenazim just mention in the winter that God brings rain, but they don't mention anything about Tal. Let's just go, they continue. The custom, the Minhag of the Sfaradim, is that we do mention Muridatal. Hashem brings the dew down as well. That is Hazkara. The second difference, the second switch that we did, and that started in Holom Wa'id, is that we started, we stopped asking for rain. Remember, in the beginning of the Amidah, we're only mentioning that God brings rain. Over here now, we started, we stopped, excuse me, we stopped asking for rain in the summer tefillot. What is that? For the Sfaradim, we switched from Barakh Alenu, which is the longer blessing to the shorter blessing in the summer called Barechenu. The Ashkenazim have the same blessing. They just omitted a few words. What is What are those words? In the Berachah of in the ninth Berachah of Amidah, we ask Hashem to give us rain in the winter. And the Ashkenazim say, It's very, very short. By us, we have a whole long prayer, but the same idea. We ask for rain. 
Now, in the summer, we don't ask for rain. How come rain in the summer is not a good? Because now it's not meant for rain. The rain already fell in the winter, and therefore we want the weather to be nicer now. It's a little bit better now. As you see, you know, it's still cold. So maybe somebody's still making a mistake out there. Make sure you say the proper things. If one forgets to say it, you must go back and repeat Amidah. Why? Because the Gemara says, and that's Halakha as well, that a person who, does not men- who mentions rain in the summer... It's a considered siman kilala. It's not the season for it. So therefore, you are considered. It, this is considered that you did not pray the proper tefillah, and you must repeat the amida. This is halacha. If a person mentions morida geshem, if he mentions that God brings the rain, or kalvahomer, if he asks for the rain, even mentioning that God brings the rain makes uh, considers the amida invalid, and we have to repeat it. Kalvahomer, if one requests. He has to also repeat the Amidah. Now what happens if a person is praying the Amidah and he's not sure if he said Morid Hatal, he's not sure if he mentioned Meshiv Morid Geshim, he's not sure if he asked for rain or even mentioned rain. So the Al-Khah says that we go by the Hergel Lashon. What does it mean Hergel Lashon? It means that what he's used to saying. We say that the Yushami brings down that in the first 30 days after the switch, which means until Pesach Sheni, Pesach Sheni is on Yudalit Yards, the day afterwards, about 30, that's almost exactly 30 days. If a person is not sure, that means anytime between he finishes the Amidah and he says, you know, I don't remember, did I say Mashim Ramad Geshem or did I not? Did I skip it? I think I, th- I think I asked for it. I'm not sure. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. If you're not sure, you're Mesupak, Dalcha is, you must repeat the Amidah if you're within the first 30 days. Why? Because most probably you just said what you're used to, what you're accustomed to, and therefore you have to repeat it. If, however, your safik came after 30 days, you're not sure if you mentioned the wrong prayer, you're not sure if you said Mashib Aruch Geshim, after 30 days, then Halakha says that since it's after 30 days already, you got used to saying Mashib you got used to skipping Mashib Geshem. You got used to skipping Vitin Talmatar, and therefore you do not have to repeat the Amidah. That is the halakha regarding Mashib Geshem if a person is in Safik. Therefore, one of the great Rishonim, who was the rabbi of the Rabbeinu Asher, the Rosh, the rabbi of the Rabbeinu Asher, who is known as the Maharami Rutenberg, came up with a genius idea. He says, uh, listen, if the whole thing is about getting your your, your mouth used to it. So therefore, very simple. You know what you do? Just say, the beginning of the If you Sfaradi, and if you're Ashkenazi, say, Rabbi Hoshia, skip Mashib Geshem. Say that 90 times, around 90 times. Why? 30 days, an average of three day three prayer per day. So if you say 90 times, very good, you are already considered that you've said it, you already considered that you're used to it, and you don't have to worry about a suffix. If you come to doubt, even within the first 30 days, you could continue with the Amidah, you don't have to repeat it, because you know that, listen, you probably repeated what you're used to, and you're used to, you already trained yourself within these 30 days. You said it 90 times, you're good enough. The Hatam Sofer says, say it 101 times. Okay, it doesn't hurt. A few more times, 90, 101 times, it's not a big deal. But basically, the idea is you got to get your your mouth used to saying the Amidah or that part of the Amidah without the the Mashim Aruch Geshem. Make sure you don't say the blessing. You don't say Baruch HaTashem Mechayim You just say, all you have to do is make sure that you're saying Rab Lehoshia. 
If he's Faradi, he say Morid Atal Mechakeh Haim Bahesed. And if you're Ashkenazi, he say Rab Leoshia, and just go straight to Mechakeh Haim Bahesed. And this way, you train yourself and you save yourself in case you're not sure. You know that already. I train myself already, and I don't have to repeat the Amida. That is a suggestion that's quoted by the Maram Rutberg and Maran Shohanaruch is posek halakha that way. In Siman Kof Yud Dalit Saif Tit. Maram brings the Maram Rutberg that goes with that Psak halakha that if you train yourself, that's also good enough if you say it 90 times. Those are the dinin that we have to know regarding Morita Tal and Barakheno. However, when one does make a mistake, for sure, you know that you made a mistake. Or in the case where you do have to repeat the Amidah, so we have to know a little bit of details. And that is, let's give you a little bit of background. The Amidah is basically divided into three parts. Although we call it Shmona Asre, the Amidah, it really has more than 18 blessings. It has 19 blessings. Like we mentioned at the beginning of the class, there was an additional Beracha that was added to the Amidah in order to counter the Muslim, the people who informed, the informers amongst the Jewish people, the people who tattletale on the Jewish people, it was added, so made it to 90 Berachot. But still, nonetheless, the name never got lost from the Amidah. It's called the Shmona Esrei, according, or Shmona Esrei, according to the Ashkenazim. So, there are three parts to the Amidah. What are these three parts? The first part of the Amidah are the first three blessings, which, the, which is from the beginning of the Amidah until the conclusion of Atakadosh, Bukhakadosh, Baruch Atah Hashem, Hakel Hakadosh. That's the first part of the Amidah. The second part of the Amidah begins from Atahonen until Shomayat Tefillah. The, the, the end of the Beracha of Shomayat Tefillah. Baruch Atah Hashem, Shomayat Tefillah. The third part of the Amidah is from Retzeh, which, which is the last three blessings until the end of the Amidah. Why am I telling you these three categories, these three parts of the Amidah? Because the Halakha makes a big difference where a person made a mistake. These three Parts of the Amidah are all separate parts. Meaning, if a person makes a mistake in any part, you go back to that part. In the first three Berachot, if a person makes a mistake in any of these three Berachot, it's not good enough to go back to that specific Berachot and fix yourself. Let's take over here what we're talking about. In Mashiba Rahmanidagesim. By mistake, a person in the summer said Mashiba Rahmanidagesim. He cannot just go back to the second Berakha and begin from there to say the Berakha. If he made a mistake after he finished Hakela Kadosh and he remembered, oh, I made a mistake in the second blessing of the Amidah, you must go back to the beginning of the Amidah. Why? Because once you pass Hakela Kadosh, you already finished one part of the Amidah, it's all one category, they all come in one package. It's a one package deal. And therefore, any mistake in the blessing of the, in the first three, one of the first three blessings of the Amidah, you must repeat the whole package. You must go back to the beginning of the Amidah. In the middle, in the second part of the Amidah, which is the Berachot of Atahonen, of Barechalenu, Barechenu, whatever it may be, all these blessings are, in this case, they're not considered one group. Although it's a second category of the Amidah, rather each blessing by itself, it's fine if you go back to just the middle where you made the mistake. Meaning, if a person in Barakh Alenu made a mistake, he said Barakh Alenu, he said he asked for rain, and then afterwards he gets up to Retse and he realizes, whoa, you know, by mistake, I said the prayer that's supposed to be said in the winter, I said it now in the summer. I'm supposed to go back. Where do you go back to? You could just go back to that blessing, Barakhenu. You don't have to actually go back to Atahonin. 
In that case, Halakha says that each supper, each blessing is by itself. They're not connected to each other. It's not one package. And you can go back just to that blessing and go continue from then onwards. You can't just fix yourself and say, Barachinu, and then jump back to it. Eh? You must start from Barachinu and continue in the same order of the Amidah. And that's it will be the same thing. We come now to the last category of the Amidah in Ritzeh. It's also considered like the first part of the Amidah. It's all one package. That if a person makes a mistake in any of the last three Birachot of the Amidah, which, which he's obligated to go back to, he must go back to the whole category. Let's say a person forgot to say Ya'alevi Abo. Ya'alevi Abo is said in the Biracha of Ritzeh. In that case, if a person remembers in Sim Shalom, oh, I forgot to say Ya'alevi Abo, then you go back to the beginning of that blessing, to Ritzeh, and you continue from then onwards. Okay, that's important to keep in mind if a person makes a mistake. If a person makes a mistake within the same Beracha, you can just fix yourself, start just from that Beracha, and continue. Meaning, in the second blessing of the Amidah, if a person said, and then, right before saying, he remembers, oh, I made a mistake. Then you just go back to the beginning of that blessing. You don't have to go back to the beginning of Amidah. You just go back to Atagibor and continue from then onwards. Same thing, if a person said, Barikhalenu, and before he concluded the blessing, he said, oh, wow, I, I asked for rain. So go back to the beginning of that blessing and repeat it in the right way without asking for rain. Those are the halakhot that we need to know regarding Morid Atal and Barikhalenu. If any questions, you could text it in. To the number over here, the station to text in, we forgot to say, is 347-927-8398. And if you would like to call in, although we prefer that you call at the end of the show, the end of the halakha hour, and that's at 3 o'clock, the number is 718-683-5858. Again, the number to text in is 347-927-8398. And if you'd like to call in with your questions, Preferably after 3 o'clock, the number to the studio is 718-683-5858. To listen to us, you can listen on jrootradio.com. That's with two O's, not O-U-T-E, J-R-O-O-T, radio.com. And you can also listen on the Jroot app, Pro. You can get it on your smartphone, either Android or iPhone. And to listen live on the phone, you can call in 718-506-9099. Again, 718 718- Five zero six nine zero nine nine. Let's come back. Continue in our halakhot. Other things that we have to know right now after Pesach is that because this uh, Pesach season, I don't know what you want to call it, this Nisan, this month of Nisan has not been the warmest. Even though we're, we had a double Adar, we had a leap year, and technically it should have been very, very warm in the month of Nisan, which would have made the trees already start to grow and would have made it much easier to say Bechat Ilanot. The reality is that it wasn't. It was actually pretty cold, colder than usual. We haven't, we barely hit some warm temperatures, and therefore a lot of people did not say berkat elanot. And therefore, we're just reminding everybody. We already spoke about the halachot berkat elanot. That according to the Hida, the Benishai, Rabhaim Palachi, the Kafahayim, Sofer, all them hold that you should say it specifically in Nisan. Even Hakam Badian and say that really you could say even after the month of Nisan. But a person should try to push himself to do according to the majority of Poskin, like the old Litzion brings down. Listen, a lot of a lot of the Ahronim held that you could only say it in Nisan. So therefore, try to push yourself to go say and try to find basically two trees, preferably, that are supposed to be fruit trees that already start to bud, start to sprout. And if you want, where I said, and over there we checked out, it's fine already, you can say, over there, on 
East 9th in Brooklyn between Avenue R and S. There's a little side street called First Court. In that corner, there's trees. And the blessing is on the tree. If you're Sfaradid, the last Sfaradim get very nervous because the Bechat Elanot, if you open it up, it's like a whole big seven pages. Bechat Elanot Abotai is one blessing. It's one short blessing. That's all it is. It's one simple blessing. And that's all you need to say. If you want, if you're in a rush, go to the tree. You see the once you see the tree, say the blessing. Then all the Yehirat songs and the Petihat Eliyahu and the Tefillot that you want to say, you can say them afterwards. You can even say it in the house. You don't have to say it next to the tree. You can go home and say it. The Berakai you have to say it next to the tree once you see it. But otherwise, you could say the Yehirat songs any way you want from inside the car, inside the house. It doesn't make a difference. Even if you don't say it, it's all a Minhag anyway. But the blessing, one is obligated to say the blessing, and Lechatelah try to say it now within the month of Nisan. The next thing we're going to speak about, the next category of Halakhot Abinitra after Pesach, is the Beracha on Matzah after Pesach. This is a big subject. It's a very important subject. And although it's, it really has, it's to really understand it, and to really go into it properly, we'll have to spend a whole class on it. We'll just tell you very, very quickly what the Halakha should be. Shohan Aruch brings down in the Beit Yosef, actually, not the Shohan Aruch, let's start from the Beit Yosef. There is something known in the Gemara as Pat Habakisnin. The Gemara establishes that this thing called Pat Habakisnin is Mezonot. Not like regular bread, which is Hamotzi, and the Bracha Hrana would be Bracha Tamazon. Pat Habakisnin has the blessing of Mezonot, and the after blessing will be the blessing of Alam Now, what is Pata The Gemara doesn't tell us what Pata is. To that we have basically three different opinions in the Rishonim. Some Rishonim explain that Pata means anything that is crunchy, like Kosis. Kosis is when a person eats something uh, raw. A person's Kosis etaores. Or is rice usually you cook it, it's very mushy. But when you eat it raw, it's very crunchy. So some explain that pata babakasin means I took regular dough, flour, and water, and I baked it to the point that it became crunchy. From the beginning, I wanted it to be crunchy. It's not that I forgot in the oven. I want it to be crunchy. That makes it the that makes the beracha, it makes the uh, the dough now turn from hamotzi to mezonot. It was dough, I baked it. If I would have baked it to be soft, it would have been Hamotzi, now that I baked it to be crunchy, it turns into mezonot. That's one opinion of the definition of patababikisnin. There are two other opinions. The other two opinions, one says that it's got to be like a kiss, like a pocket. And the other opinion says it's basically something that has additives in the mixture of making the dough. You put juices in there, you put honey, you put sweets to the point that you could taste it. Or according to the Ashkenazim that you add it so much that's the majority, it's more than the water. We're not going to focus on the second two opinions. We want to focus now on the first opinion. First opinion tells us that if I took something that's crunchy, I took dough, flour and water, regular flour and water, no other additives, and I baked it to the point that it's going to be crunchy, then it should be, the blessing should be mezonot. Beautiful. Question is, why in the world are we making hamotzi on that when it comes to Pesach? Right? It's crunchy. Why are we making hamotzi? And the answer is because we have another sevara, another idea that's brought down. Why is it 
that we make all of a sudden on these three types of things, mezonot. Why did the Gemara establish a pataba bikti should be mezonot? What makes it different from bread? Okay, so it has a little sweet, so it's a little bit crunchy or it's, it's stuffed, but who cares? At the end of the day, it's flour and water. Why should it be different? And the answer is because usually people have that as a snack. Since they usually eat crunchy things as a snack, for example, um, crackers. Crackers people have usually as a snack. It's regular flour and water, but it's crackers. At the end of the day, people don't eat it as a meal. They eat it as a snack. So therefore, Kasa, the, the halakha says that you should make mezonot on it because it's something that's made as a snack. It's not made as a meal. So when it comes now to matzah, where it's, on Pesach we're talking about, where it's made for a meal. It's not because we have no other bread. This is a poor man's bread. Poor man's bread. And therefore we have no other bread. We have to eat lehmoni on Pesach. So we have no other choice but this bread. And therefore, the Bechaz HaMotzi makes a lot of sense. Why? This is our bread. It's not made as a snack. It's made to be regular bread. So the Bechaz of the Matzot on Pesach, according to all opinions, Ashkenazi should be and is HaMotzi. Fine. Question is, what about after Pesach? After Pesach, do I make the Bechaz of HaMotzi on, on the Matzah or not? I have leftover matzah. When they baked it, clearly they baked it for the sake of having it on Pesach. We're not talking about matzot that are sold throughout the year, which says, do not eat on Pesach. These are hamets. Very interesting, right? You have matzot that are hamets throughout the year. That's made because a lot of people are very healthy and very whatever. We're not talking about these matzot. We're talking about I have leftover for Pesach. What do I do in this case? Should I make hamotzi because that's what they were made for? Or at the end of the day, right now I'm only having it as a snack. It's crunchy. So this is very complicated. The Ashkenazim's minhag is that they make hamotzi. They wash on it, regular, and hamotzi on the matzah. Tell you, if your person really delves into the halakha, there's a lot of, uh, not a lot, uh, even according to the Sfaradim, technically you shouldn't make hamotzi. But the minhag is not that way. The minhag, the way the Ahronim bring it down, the minhag is the Sfaradim make mezonot on matzah. Okay, that's the way Hakam Metzion brings it down. That's the way Hakam Medya brings it down. The Menhag is to make mezonot on Matzah and not Hamotzi. So, the question is, is that what we do? Is that the Menhag? Is that what we do? Why did Aharonim bring it like that in such a way? Is a Menhag. And that's because although that is a Menhag, that's where the Aharonim bring it down, but it's not so simple. Even Hakam Metzion and Hakam Medya say, a person should try to avoid eating Matzot as a snack, because really, especially in our days, matzah has turned into a regular meal. The matzah is not made for a snack anymore. Even if it's crunchy, it's not made. It's made to become bread throughout the whole year. Once upon a time, when they had bread and everybody was eating bread, and people didn't care about health and all these different things that we have today, so people ate matzah as a snack only. But today, people are eating matzot as a meal. So therefore, how could you tell me now it's still mezonot? It's made for as a meal. So the Eskenazim are making hamotzi. Continue making hamotzi. The Sfaradim, you can't go against the Minhag. That's what the Sfaradim bring down. So we say mezanot. But lechatila, even those who say that the Minhag is the same mezanot, they'll tell you lechatila. It's preferable that a person should have matzah betocha seudah. That means wash on something else and then have matzah in the middle of the meal. But to just have matzah to make hamotzi, I mean to make mezanot matzah, it's not so simple. If you do it, okay, you have what to rely on. But lechatila. Try to say hamotzi on something else and then eat the matzah in the, in the middle because the times have changed. The matzot is not the way that it used to be. And we're not talking about just in our days already from the times of the Hida already, this is brought as a discussion. And but I want to point out, if somebody does make mezonot, Sfaradi, make mezonot on, on matzah, nothing to yell at him. There is what to rely on. But one who is stringent, tabu'ala beracha, 
to be Yotzei according to all opinions. This is only true regarding the hard matzah. In the market today, Baruch Hashem, especially from Eretz Yisrael, and even here, by us in the Kolel, we in Ketar Tzion, we make soft matzah ourselves, and that is uh, basically, instead of the matzah the way we're used to it, whether it's machine or hand matzah, which is very crunchy, this soft matzah is soft. It doesn't, st- it's not a crunch. That is hamotzi according to all opinions. Before, during Pesach, after Pesach, it makes no difference. I remember we used to make the matzot in the, in the, in the matzah bakery. We used to make our soft matzot. There's some people who used to tag along. Yeah, you need some help. Not only the Kolo guys can do it, we used to get help from other people. And you'd see some of the people taking matzah, you know, it comes out of fresh from the oven. You have some from the matzot that turn hamitz. You know, we have uh, the Rosh Kolel, Tamir Hakam sitting there check, checking every matzah. And some of the matzot are not good, so you cannot use it on Pesach. So they're, they're hamed, so we, he pulls them, he rips them off the matzah, and he puts them on the side. So people come, they snack off of these matzot. And a lot of people would come and say, Baruch Hashem, Why are you making mezonot? And the answer is, yeah, because it's matzah. It doesn't go by the name. It goes by what the matzah is, how it's made. You could call it matzah, you could call it bread, bake, call it whatever you want. At the end of the day, this is soft. There's nothing different between this and the pita. The only thing is that this is hametz and this is not hametz. If it's soft, there's no question, according to all opinions, this is hamotzi, regardless when you eat it. Soft matzah is hamotzi on Pesach. Soft matzah is hamotzi before Pesach. Soft matzah is hamotzi even after Pesach. Soft matzah is hamotzi even if it's not made for Pesach. Even if it's 100% hametz, it is Hamotzi, because it's not crunchy, it doesn't fit in any of the explanations of Patababikisnin. I had to point this out because I've seen people stumble, make a mistake in this area. So, with that, we'll go on now to, with a few minutes left, you have a few minutes left to the Minhagim and Omer. Next week, Razat Hashem, maybe we'll talk about, not maybe, Razat Hashem, hopefully, we'll talk about the laws of Sifirat Omer, of counting the Omer. Today, we'll focus on just the Minhagim. During Sfirat HaOmer. A little bit of a background. Hazal tell us in the Gemara, I believe in Masechet Yevamot, that Rabbi Akiba had 24,000 students. These 24,000 students were not regular students. These were not just, you know, a bunch of guys who came to school and they started studying. These students were great Tanaim. These students were the leaders of the next generations. These students were, to a certain extent, greater than some of the famous Tanaim that we know. Because the Gemara tells us that Rabbi Akiva had 24,000 students and after they died, he went down to, to the south of Eris Israel, and he taught another five students. Amongst these five students were the smallest one who was listed at the end of the list is Rabbi Shem'on Bar Yochai, the author of the Zohar. Also Rabbi Meir Baal Hanis, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Lai. These were the five students that Rabbi Akiva had. And the Gemara tells us that Rabbi Akiva only taught these five students after the first 24,000 students passed away. So we could safely say that the original students were obviously much greater that Rabbi Akiva felt now he had, you know, now only the first ones passed away, he went on to the next students. So we're talking about very, very holy people. And it's not right to just go ahead and say, oh, they were, they, they hated each other. Hazal tell us, on their own level, obviously there were much great tzaddikim, and Hazal tell us that the people who are close to Hakadosh Baruch Hashem judges them much stricter. The people around him, 
Hashem judges them very, very finely. So therefore, being that they were the leaders and they were going to transmit the Torah to the next generation, especially these were students of Rabbi Akiba, Hashem was much stricter with them. And Hazal tell us that they all died. 24,000 students all died from when? From Pesach until Pros Atzeret. From Pesach until half of Atzeret. Keep those words in mind. We're going to come back to them. And therefore, in this period of time, we all are mourning the loss of Rabbi Akiva's students. I haven't seen it anywhere, although I haven't seen otherwise. I don't know if the 24,000 students died all in the same year or they died in multiple years. That means, was it that 24,000 students died in one year between Pesach and Shavuot? Or was it that, no, the students of Rabbi Akiba died between Pesach and Shavuot, but over a number of years? All 24,000 happened to die just between Pesach and Shavuot, and they realized, oh, this is a special time that we have to mourn them. I'm not sure. But there's room definitely to say either way. In any case, this is the period when they died. Hazrat tells us this is when they died, and therefore we have minhagim of avelut. We have customs of mourning. That Rizal points out that this is a time of deen. This is a time when we see that the produce grows very, very fast. Everything starts to go on the trees. You see right now, this is a time of growth and development. And therefore, whenever we have growth and development, the rule is that there's midat adin. There's always a prosecution. Whenever a person is getting something good, we have always the prosecution that comes to a person and they come and they, come and they tell Hashem, why does this person deserve it? And a person is judged a little bit more stricter in that time. That's how the Rizal explains what happened in these times. But in any case... 24,000 students died, and it was a big tragedy. And therefore, the Jewish people have accepted minhagim, customs of mourning. The two main customs of mourning that are brought down in halakha are only two. What are they? No weddings and no haircuts or shaving. That's all that's brought down. No weddings, no haircuts and shaving. There are other things that are brought down by the Ahlonim, but in halakha and Shohan Aruch, what's brought down are only these two things. We don't get married in these times, and we don't Take a haircut or shave in these days. What are these days? We said between Pesach and Pros Atzeret. What does it mean Pros Atzeret? Pros from the word Perusa. Perusa means half or a div- uh, 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 when you divide something. Half of Atzeret means, really means a half of a month before Atzeret. So based on that calculation, if you we have 49 days of Sfirat Aumen between Pesach and Shavuot. If you subtract half a month from that, which if you subtract 14 days, I mean, excuse me, 15 days from that, you come to 34 days. And therefore, Maran Shohanaruch brings down in Simantav Tzadigimel that we do not take haircuts from after Pesach. Anyway, not taking because of, of uh, the Omer. I mean, excuse me, of Holomoyed. Uh, we don't take haircuts from Pesach all the way until when? Until Lamed Dalit, the 34th of the Omer. Not like Baumer, the 34th of the Omer. Why? Because they died until 34th of the Omer. So, why can we take haircuts on, the, on Lamed Dalit Baumer? We should be not taking haircuts until Lamed He Baumer. And the answer is because we hold Miksat Hayom Well, if you see any mourners, you see that when they get up from Shiva, they don't wait, they don't sit seven full days. The seventh day comes, we say Yom Once part of the day came in already, it's considered like the full day came in. So that's a Minhag According to the Ramah, he holds no. They actually finished dying on the 33rd day. The 34th day already, nobody died anymore. So therefore, Yom 
once the 33rd day comes, already from the morning they can take haircuts. So that's the difference between Ashkenazim and Sfaradim mainly. According to the Sfaradim, the, uh, the Isur of taking haircuts begins from Pesach all the way until Lamedal Ba'omer. That includes haircuts and shaving, as well as weddings. According to the Ashkenazim, no, until the Lag Ba'omer in the morning, that's when already we don't take, according to the Ashkenazim, they don't take, hair, they don't take haircuts until that day. There are different customs as brought down. The, regarding Tzfilat Ha'omer, how to calculate it. There are, the Mishnah Rab brings down a minhag that many Ashkenazim follow till today. The minhag is that the way to explain this Gemara, the Gemara says, which means half of Atzeret. We explain that means 15 days. Some explain that these 15 days not necessarily came in order. It doesn't mean 15 days like Lamedad Ba'omer. What it means is that there were 15 days that the Tamidim of Rabbi Akiba didn't die. What are these 15 days? Well, they didn't die on any day that we'd say, we would not say Tahanun. Mean to say, the seven days of Pesach, the six Shabbatot, the two days of Rosh Hodesh Iyad, the first day, the also one day of Rosh Hodesh Sivan, that totals up all these days, comes out to about 15, 16 days, which the Tamidim of Rabbi Akiba didn't die. So therefore, as long as you mourn for 33 days, doesn't make a difference when you mourn. Whether you start mourning right after Pesach, whether you mourn right before Shavuot, it doesn't make a difference. As long as you mourn for 33 days, then that's good enough already to fulfill this obligation of, uh, of this minhag, of mourning for the Tamil of Rabbi Akiba. So therefore, some Ashkenazim have the custom, right now they will take haircuts. They'll take haircuts all the way until next week, Rosh Hodesh Iyar. And then from Rosh Hodesh Iyar, from then onwards, they will not take haircuts until the... Uh, three days before Shavuot, which is Shloshet Yimei Hagbala. The Halakha does bring down, you cannot be lenient like both opinions. You can't take haircuts all the way into Rosh Hodesh and then afterwards from Lag Ba'omer, also take haircuts afterwards. No. Either you hold up to Lag Ba'omer or Sfaradim Lamedad Ba'omer, or you hold from, uh, or you hold from Rosh Hodesh all the way until Shavuot. But even if you hold from Rosh Hodesh until Shavuot, you could, according to the Ashkenazim, you could take haircuts on Lamed Gimel Ba'omer, because it's a special day. Um, it's a day of Rabbi, the Petira of Rabbi Shubham Yochai, according to some also, that's when they stop dying. So there's many uh, opinions and a lot of room to be lenient at that time. That is the two different minhagim of how to calculate the Omer. However, there's still the Arizal. The Arizal holds, like we said before, it's his man of Deen. And being that it's his man of Deen, therefore, one should not take a haircut all the way from Pesach until Shavuot. Those who follow the Ariza, the Mikubalim especially, don't take haircuts all the way until Erev Shavuot, including Shoshet Yimei Hagam Ben explains that this is only applicable to the hair. One who usually shaves his beard, who usually cuts his beard, trims his beard, for him he could still trim his beard even after, even, uh, excuse me, once after after Lag Ba'omer comes, you can trim your beard. The only reason that Rizal didn't mention the beard is because according to Rizal, you're never even allowed to touch your beard. Your beard is not supposed to cut it, you're not supposed to touch it. That's why he never mentioned it. But those who have the custom anyway of trimming or shaving their beard, they can trim it after Lag Ba'omer. That Lad Ba'omer according to the uh, according to the Halakha, according to Hakam Ben Zion. However, I'll tell you the truth. Even though that's what the Arizal Hakam Ben Zion does bring down, I've seen many Gedolim. I don't know if they did it on purpose or not, but they keep their beard also going. They they keep it anyway. They have a beard, so 
maybe they're just keeping it anyway to take a haircut and uh, and not shaving until Arab uh, Shabbat. Maybe, yeah, maybe not. I'm not sure. But Ben Sion says what he says. I haven't seen anybody who says otherwise. Next, there are some leniencies regarding haircutting and weddings as well. First of all, regarding women. Could women take a haircut during Sfirat Omer? The answer is depends. If you're Sfiradi, if you're Sfiradi, there's no question that you could take a haircut. A lady could take a haircut in Sfirat Omer. Why? Because Maran brings down an avilut that Lalenu, a woman who's sitting, who's mourning, who's sitting Shiva, she cannot have a woman who's sitting Shiva, she cannot take a haircut during the seven days of mourning. After the seven days of mourning, women could take haircuts. The Ramah over there is stringent. Ramah says, no. The Minhag of the Ashkenazim, that for the first 30 days of mourning, they don't take haircuts. That's according to the Ramah. Over here, so according to Sfadim, there's no question. This is, Sfirat Omer is not going to be more stringent than the Shloshim. So therefore, there's no question, women can take haircuts according to the Sfadim. According to the Ashkenazim, Hakam ben Tzion wants to say that even according to the Ramah, it should be mutar. But, that's not the way the Ashkenazim bring it down. The Grot Moshe says that no, Ashkenazim, Ashkenazim women should not take haircuts unless it's necessary. What's called necessary? Well, for sure, if she has to go to the mikveh, there's no question she can take a haircut. And whatever she feels is very, very necessary in Ashkenazim women, uh, let's say it's it's a it's a simhan, it's a, there's a kavahom, if there's a brit milah, also even all Ashkenazim will agree, even men, even men, if there's a brit milah, the father of the baby boy, the sandak, as well as the mohel could take haircuts and shave as well. And women, I guess if it's very necessary for them to take haircuts, even though they're supposed to be covered, I don't know. But we're talking about obviously girls that are single, if they want to take haircuts, they could... Ashkenazia, if they feel it's necessary, they can also take it in this time. What about children? Again, same thing. Sfaradim, children can take haircuts. There's no problem. The Ashkenazim are mahmir on children. But everybody will agree that children under the age of three, especially the ones who do it for the upsharing in Lagba Omer and even beforehand, they go to the Ariza, there's no question. Uh, going into all opinions, they could take haircuts in these times. We mentioned no weddings, but it is mutar and it's a mizvah for a person who's single to date to go on, on Shidduchim, and even to make an engagement. Not a party, but an engagement. What does it mean, engagement? Engagement means an agreement to get married. And even if you invite, invite uh, what they call today, a L'chaim, meeting of the family, that's also permitted during the days of Sfirat Omer. And another leniency is that people mix up, a lot of times, uh, the days of the Omer, they mix it up to get, with the um, days of Ben HaMetzarim. And therefore, we get a lot of questions. Are you allowed to buy clothing? Are you allowed to, you allowed to buy new clothing? You allowed, the, there is an opinion of Rabhaim Palachi and, his, and some Ahurim bring him down. Not to say Shahiyan in the days of the Omer. But really, Ma'ikaradin, Acham Ben Zion, as well as Acham Abadiyah, both agree. You could say Shahiyanu during Sfirat Omer. If you want to be a little bit more stringent, then you can say Shahiyanu on Shabbatot. If you want to see something for Shabbat to say Shahiyanu, there's no problem to say Shahiyanu. Even Mishnah Barab brings down, you can say Shahiyanu. Even Ashkenazi, you can say Shahiyanu doing Sfirat Aumir. If you want to be Mahmir like some of these Ahronim, so save it for Shabbat, that's for sure. Then you can say Shahiyanu then. So therefore, if you have a new clothing, the only suffix maybe that you'll have is that if such a Hashubi new item, that you might have to say Shahiyanu on it. But if it's a clothing that you don't necessarily say Shahiyanu on it, do you say Shahiyanu on a new shirt? Not necessarily. Maybe some people say on a suit. Personally, I don't say Shahiyanu even on a suit. I don't know. Maybe I just 
not a, such an excited person about suits. If you are a person who gets very excited when you buy something very important and you say shahiyanu, so even then you're allowed to buy it. To wear it to say shahiyanu, maybe wear it only on, wear the first time on Shabbat, say shahiyanu, and that's it. In any case, that's the deen of buying new clothing on, on during the days of Omer, there is no problem. The subject I haven't discussed, and that's everybody's waiting for, is music. Right? What about music? First of all, as a side point, dancing even without music is asur during Sfirat Omer. Okay? During the days of the Omer, we don't have weddings. We don't have, also, dancing is also brought down. Regarding music, it's a big subject. But the minhag amongst all the Jewish people, even for those who are leaning to listen to music throughout the year, on the days, during the days of Sfirat Omer, the minhag is people don't listen to music in these days. Ah, uh, you can tell me the radio is playing music. There are exceptions, there are times where people could listen to music. And what type of music, it's also very technical. I'm running out of time. I'm not going to go into it right now. Maybe next week I'll discuss it just a little bit. But in general, in general, if a person is very down, he's very depressed, and he needs music as a medicine, that's mutar, no problem to listen to music. Even during the Omer, even during the the three weeks of Ben HaMetzarim between Tashabi Ab and Shabbat Sabi Tammuz if a person needs it like a medicine it's mutar but in general a person should try to be Mahmir in general and in these days in Omer the minhag is not to listen to them again we're talking about regular average people who could do a little bit a few weeks without Omer as a sign of mourning for the students of Rabbi, Aki, uh, of Rabbi Akiba and this is sort of not listening music you should know is brought down by most of the Ahronim, Igrot Moshe, Hakam Abadiyah, and Minhat Yitzhak, and of Aaron Epstein, a lot of people bring this sort of listening to music. What kind of music? So there's a cappella and there's other things. Some call it Sfirah, Sfirah music. Check with your local Rav. It's not a simple subject to just say everything is Mutar or everything is Asur either. So you have to know also the fact that the radio station plays music during the days, let's say, during these days, happens to be, during these days, according to a lot of people, they didn't start the Sfirat Omer. Meaning, they're not Sfirat Omer. They're Minhagim Omer of mourning. Like we said, some start on Rosh Chodesh Iyar. And some finish right after Lagba Omer. So, to play the on music on the radio is mutar from our point of view. But, to listen, you have to know what your Minhag is, when you hold of it, and if you hear a song... Here and there, you know, it's not, uh, the, what's it called? You have to try to be mahmir if you don't need it. If a person needs it, he can, you know, he really needs it. He's very down. He needs a little bit of a lift. So then you could be makir to listen to it. But again, with COVID-19, keep in mind, these are days when we're all mourning for the loss of these great tzaddikim.